Welcome to Bible of a Bruise. Deep thoughts fermented over time and text. I'm here, Aaron Crujuice Viverka, with Gumby. Hey, what's happening? Mike. Hey, everybody. And our special guest, Khalil J. Khalil. Salamu alaikum, my friends. <laughs> we are covering our Islamic episode tonight, dispelling many rumors and explaining many more. We're going to be starting with Granite City Brewery. We are going to stop because I have to talk about this growler. <laughs> it's a really impressive growler. It's pretty sweet. I stopped here the other day. Okay, and okay, I have to stop right here too. The growler is amazing, but I stopped there on the premise that I was taking my wife out and uh, the trade-off was that we got to eat there because research, right? Right. All right. <laughs> And, the good. Yeah, and and when we sat down, I I ordered fish and chips, and I was up front. I was a little jaded because I'm looking down. I was like, ah, it's fourteen bucks. Yeah. Do I want to spend fourteen ninety nine on fish and chips? And I my wife ordered hers, and none of it was super cheap. But oh my lord, when the food came out. I mean, I was hard-pressed to finish it. It was a heaping plateful of actual large fish fillets. And the fries were these malt vinegar fries that were just incredible, just to die for. Because I love malt vinegar on fries. Mm -hmm. These are made that way. Nice. Oh, it was incredible. So so everything about that experience was awesome. (laughs) So just... I have to get that out of the way because I was highly, highly impressed. My wife was as well. We will be returning. Nice. <laughs> so Sponsorship, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, uh, I ordered the dark because I like IPAs and darks. and I mean, really, I like everything, but I, I have a preference towards IPAs and darks. Yeah. So I, I ordered the dark flat, and there was one IPA in there, and there was three darks. And the IPA was, IPA was very good. I enjoyed it. It was delicious. But the darks, I was so impressed, I walked away with two large growlers. Mm. Not only that, but I'm really impressed with the growlers. I, we pick up various growlers from microbrews, and I have yet to see one like this. It's got an actual metal handle. We're going to have to take a picture. You're going to have to post it in the link. Oh, definitely. That thing is amazing. <laughs> I actually did take a picture. On, uh, if you go to our Instagram feed, there is okay. a picture up here on Instagram. Um, it has an actual cork pop top, like the actual pop tops. Yeah, like a mason jar or whatever. Yeah, that kinda yeah it's awesome. Seriously just, a man's growler. I mean, you pop it open, and it's just, I don't know if you heard that on that side, Ooh, but yeah, it's so we did. cool. <laughs> so this first one's going to be the Dukenbach. With the Dukenbach, it's pretty interesting because they actually take two of their brews, the Duke and their darker Bach, or I'm sorry, their lighter Bach, there's a light bock and there's a duke and there's the duke and they put them together seasonally to create the dukenbach so it's a very good brew i'm going to pour these right now i'm going to let mike and uh, gumby talk for a second yeah what's the what's the alcohol percentage on that thing uh this one i believe was a 5.4 okay i'll let that slide <laughs> <laughs> just for the growler just for right. <laughs> it's going to be a little foamy at first um, when you, whenever you first go to open a growler, it's always a little foamy, so you're gonna have a little extra head. You have to let it settle down. Um, but right from the get-go, you can see it's got this nice caramel color. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, it's not quite amber. It's pretty. But it's, right, I say it's but it's dark. not really dark. Right. I got. I'm trying to clear my head here and talked it up so much. You know, I gotta. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Like I said, the first one's gonna be a little more foamy. It's got a little hoppy smell to it. I can see why if you like IPAs and darks, this, this looks like it has a little bit of both. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's got the Bach, and Bachs traditionally are a little bit on the darker side, but the Duke, of course, is a lighter ale. Go. All right, I can't wait. I'm gonna just go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go back to mine and put wow. a little more back in mine. That's really smooth. Right. All right. Yeah, it reminds me of the what was it? The chocolate peanut butter one we had. I had one of the last episodes. Delicious, right? Well, we had a chocolate peanut butter one. And yeah. <laughs> why wasn't I on for that one? <laughs> we'll bring you back in for a second helping. <laughs> Good, but this one seems more smooth. Little, uh... It's got those great flowery notes. I love the flowery notes. I didn't catch those yet. It's almost like an Irish ale to me. Yeah. Wasn't that great? It's, it's full-bodied, but it's light. Yeah, it does have very subtle sweetness to it, but you almost miss it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I said, it's 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 smooth all the way to the finish. It's a really good beer. I like it. And uh, like I said, th these growlers are a little more expensive than a lot of other microbrews, but I really think it's worth it. On the the fermentation process is actually very interesting. So they actually start everything at their main brewery. Ah. Uh, think it was don't quote me i think it was minnesota um but what they do is they have this this process called fermentus interruptus so they actually start it in their main facility and then they export that to the breweries they have i think 36 locations i believe around the nation and then it goes to that site and is brewed on site but it starts there and then it's finished on site. So it, technically, each region is brewing the beer on site in its own state, but it's started at a different location. Huh. And the reason why they did that is because they wanted the water to be the same during the startup process, and they wanted the ingredients to be the same. So that way, no matter where you go in the country, it's the same uh, taste, the same flavor, the same smoothness, the same quality. So Assuming altitude... Doesn't have anything to do with True. the fermentation process. <laughs> That's interesting. So they still get the benefit of saying it's a local beer. Is that why they do that? It, technically, it is. Right. Because Te it's still brewed on site. It's just right. it started, you know, in their main facility. It's brewed with the same quality. <laughs> so technically, it does still fall under craft brews, even because it's you know it, it's still brewed on site. Right. <laughs> Feel like we're in a gray area here. Totally, totally. Like if they did that, if they did that in uh, like Germany and then shipped it to a Budweiser plant, it'd be brewed in the Budweiser plant. You know, so it's interesting, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what the though, You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think from a business perspective, that 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 might not be a bad idea, though. I mean, right? that way, like uh, you said, you get the same quality every time. I hate to say it, but when you're in business, nobody cares as much about your business than you. 
So if you actually yeah. make sure it's sprued right there in front of you, you always make sure it has that good quality. Yeah. If you ship it out to, I mean, if you depend on other people to brew your beer for you, they might not care as much as long as someone's buying it because the name, yeah. they're buying it, so they don't care. Yeah. Well, think about it too. It's not it's not mass production because they're only brewing. I think it was five hundred thousand gallons a year, as opposed to like say like you were saying like a Budweiser that does I think a million gallons a day. Right. So, you know, so it's not mass production. It it still is craft brew and it still falls under that craft brew label, because you know five hundred thousand gallons in a year is really just a drop. Yeah. So I guess another advantage is they wouldn't have to store it at their facility. Yeah. I'm just wondering what all the angles are. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting. I've never seen it before done like this. So that's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. interesting. We're we're in such a good market here, though, for craft worries that you know it. You can see why they keep popping up. Oh yeah, oh, yeah they're all over. We we just have such a high class drinking population here, with uh, with taste for high quality beer. Right. And not, uh, you know, what Mike said, <laughs> the B word. And you know, it, it, it's hard to complain about it, especially because a lot of craft beers, they end up not too much more than all yeah, these right. beers that are just brewed, you know, mass produced like Budweiser. You know, a case of Budweiser now for 12 of them, it's about like twelve ninety nine or something. You can get a case of craft beer for around the same price. And it's a lot better quality. I mean, you have to be... Well... What's a nice thing to say about people that prefer <laughs> regular beer over craft beers? I'm trying to think. Well, I, I think I one of... <laughs> we'll let you come up with that clue. Right. <laughs> I don't know a nice way to put it. I, I think one of the main differences is your craft brews, like your IPAs and your darks, that are brewed in smaller quantities, have better ingredients... Right, you're not because you're not reliant upon your your fast-paced, you know, sugars and everything else to create the faster brewing process. So, you have higher grade ingredients, and let's face it, I can sit down and have two IPAs and feel far better than somebody who sat down and drank six Bud Lights. It's going for the flavor of a beer actually going for the flavor and enjoying it as opposed to just trying to drink yeah yeah. you know i'm not uh, looking as, as a friend of mine told me one time i'm, I'm look, not looking to feel like i'm walking on nerf i don't want to walk on nerf i, I want to you know i want to enjoy my beer agreed yeah I, I i forget who said it but I, and i have it once again i have it on our instagram page um a famous guy once said Anybody can drink beer, but it takes intelligence to enjoy beer. So, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a funny quote, though, because I, I think um, a lot of people, you tell them that you drink um, any alcoholic beverage, you know, whether it's whiskey, rum, or if you tell anybody that you're drinking it for the taste, a lot of them want to call BS on you. Yeah. They're yeah. like, no, you, you drink it for how it makes you feel. No, sometimes some of it just tastes pretty good and it's an enjoyable drink. Yeah. It's true. I think there's a beer for every occasion, really, or a drink for every occasion. Not that you should drink at every occasion, but... There's no occasion for Milwaukee Best. <laughs> well, I'm not going to even bring that up, but I brought that... I, I used Milwaukee one time to marinate ribs. 
years ago. Mistake. I, it was a mistake. Wow. I had a baby at the time, and it it boiled the Milwaukee best. And I remember my youngest one getting like <laughs> like a little tipsy. Yeah. Yeah. It, the whole house really permeated with Milwaukee best. That's crazy. And there's nothing good about it. Wow. Well, okay. I never tried and that. Beer, and, and the ribs are nasty. Anyway. But I will say I've actually enjoyed a Bud Light coming off a lawnmower or something. It just well, it's worked. different. I mean, that's like drinking water after. It's true, and it actually hydrates <laughs> you better because about about anything's enjoyable yeah. after lawn mowing, as long as it's a little cold liquid going in your belly. <laughs> I actually, uh, um, not your father's root beer is fantastic while you're mowing lawn. All right, I'll yeah. give that a shot. Try it. There's a lot of different flavors of that one now. So, now, to get over to our guest, Khalil J. Khalil, <laughs> you are coming off of, I believe it's Ramadan? Well, we're not off of it yet, but yeah, I just broke my fast. Okay. So, please. Please, explain. Well, Ramadan is, um, it's a month of fasting that Muslims have every single month. I mean, not every single month, once a year. It's about 29 to 30 days. Um, it goes back like 11 days every year. So next year it's going to start 11 days before it did this year. But um, a lot of people make uh, Ramadan more complicated than it is. It's basically your fasting, which our fasting is not eating or drinking. Um, or really any sinful behavior from sun up to sundown out that doesn't mean you can do sinful behavior after sundown just for anybody listening don't do that <laughs> not what i meant but um and then we can eat um now the purpose of this is for the most part to develop uh taqwa which um taqwa is basically it means um becoming god conscious it's training you to be god conscious so you know when you learn to not eat or drink which is you know humanity's basic instinct for survival um and you're doing it for the sake of god it really teaches you to be god conscious and in the end that helps you in every other perspective if you can stop eating or drinking for god you can do just about anything for the sake of god mm -hmm. so the main portion of it is for taqwa um but it also helps to um feel for the poor because um you know giving to the poor feeding the poor it's actually very important in islam matter of fact the two biggest things to get to heaven in islam is praying and giving to the poor so that's the main point of ramadan and that's what it is it's, it's nothing complicated so it's not actually for muslims to strap on bombs and go in buildings and <laughs> not, not at all it's not training you for that matter of fact to to do any sort of intense thing like that i would imagine it's pretty intense i've never, never done it but they wouldn't know it's not for that not for that <laughs> at all you know what's interesting and i've i didn't think we'd jump in this fast but uh i've always been sort of cri critical of the muslim community for sometimes i don't hear very much outspokenness when catastrophe happens but it might be just because of my circle you know like on twitter He's this, a racist. This, maybe that, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, but this time, I, I, uh, one of the latest things happened, and someone, and thankfully Ramadan was happening, but um, someone came out and called ISIS out and said, hey, look, Ramadan's going on right now, and Islam is, is a religion of, or a faith of peace. 
So anybody doing these things, you can't call yourself a Muslim. And I thought that was very interesting. I felt it was a stand of support for the Christians that were killed and persecuted there. And I thought that was really cool. So there's typically actually a lot of um, outrage when ISIS does things like this. It's just not very. um, the, the, The media doesn't like to display it too often for whatever reason. But there's actually a lot of groups that go against ISIS. There's always a lot of media over there. If you ever have Middle Eastern media, which my family does because we're Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. But um, there's always a lot of outrage over things like that because, you know, j- just like anybody, nobody wants to um, have bad things happen in their name. You know, right. yeah. I don't like to see when somebody goes and blows themselves up and kills multiple people and they they say it's because they have something that's relatable to me which is being muslim and mind you first of all homicide is a sin mm-hmm. um and suicide is a sin in islam so suicide bombing yourself and taking people with you is not islamic yeah. at all yeah. it's yeah. very contradictory matter of fact in islam even though it's a very simple point i like the way they put it they say if you in the Quran it says if you kill one man it's as if you killed all of mankind mm. and if you save one man you kill you saved all of mankind now I don't know if there's any feminists out there but I'm saying man as referring to human that's that is what it means originally it's not gender specific people <laughs> uh, I don't want them to think uh, it's another the podcast, Quran is anti uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> So, but ISIS, I mean, uh, you know, you bring up ISIS, but traditionally, I mean, are, are they really even uh, Muslim? I think, you, you know, when I look at, uh, you have to really trace the source of ISIS and where it even comes from. And there's so much political um, movements behind ISIS from the British, from the Americans, from the Saudi Arabia. Uh, There's a lot of political movements. Um, For instance, a lot of people, they don't like to admit this, especially in this country, but ISIS was part of the original rebels uh, that was supposed to go against Bashar Assad. And those very rebels were trained and funded by us as America. Um, What happened was just part of it split off from the rebels and became known as ISIS. And they're doing, you know, what they're doing. I'm not going to pretend I know for sure whether this is what they're meant to be doing or if they're just doing this on their own. You know, we don't really know what goes on with the big wigs and what they're telling others to do. Um, but, but it's really not Islamic at all. Everything they do yeah. basically completely goes against what Islam teaches. I mean, you know, Islam really is a um, religion of peace. You know, we don't want to kill anybody. I think that's a great perspective for here in the West. Christians need to really disconnect that association of ISIS truly being uh, a Muslim. Yeah, and, and you know that that needs to be just. It's funny. Broken. Would you say that because like uh, uh, my wife sent me something the other day about an article that was somewhere. It was it was a blog, and I'm like, don't take any credence to this blog. So it's talking about children heads chopped off etc 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 and i said you're giving me a blog and i read the article i said there's no validation links there's not even 
pictures. I mean, this is just some guy ranting this, this, that, and he has no validation to what he's saying whatsoever. And I said, and his facts are wrong because, believe it or not, uh, Hamas is currently aligned with Jerusalem in their fight against ISIS. Yeah. And she's like, nah. I was like, yeah. I pulled up a post right out of uh, the Jerusalem Post. Pulled, up, pulled it right up and, and sent it to her. I said, see? I said, they're actually aligned right now. Yeah. A lot of people like to um, label a lot of these um, groups, um, terrorist organizations. For some reason, um, I think nowadays a lot of people have become obsessed with the idea of calling somebody a, a terrorist. You know, not every organization that's not a government organization is a terrorist organization. You know, if you think about it, the term terrorist, it really, it gets defined by what side of the political agenda you're on. Mm-hmm. Hamas is labeled as a terror organization simply because it goes against Israel. And in no. America, that's a no-no. <laughs> um, so they're labeled a terror organization. Yeah. But they're not. They're an organization that was made to defend Palestine yeah. because Palestine doesn't have a government. They don't have an army. They don't have anything like that. So that's what that's for. And like you said, they aligned against ISIS. Hezbollah goes against ISIS, you know. All these places go against ISIS. There's five different Muslim organizations that I know about that are fighting against ISIS. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, A lot of them are. Because including Russia. Because nobody likes ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But isn't, so I don't know, and forgive my um, lack of knowledge on the subject, but um, Islam and being Muslim is that synonymous? Is there a difference? Because isn't Islam in the in the name of ISIS? How do you disassociate something with the name and the- what it is? ISIS calls themselves, I believe, um, Islamic State of. Yeah, that's as far as I get. You know, I, 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 I dislike them so much. I really don't pay attention to the name because I think it's stupid and it really holds no value to me. Yes, they do call themselves an Islamic State. But, you know, we can use the Quran for this. Um, I can't think of the verse right on top of my head. But it mentioned hypocrites, you know. It, talking about um, if you call yourself something, like you call yourself a believer, but you're not doing things that is decreed for the believers to do, mm. you're the same as a non-believer. Mm. Now, what that's basically saying, the reason I picked that verse... Um, they can call them is themselves Islamic as much as they want. They're not doing what Islam calls for, so they're not actually Muslim. Okay. You know, you can call yourself something all you want. Um, and, you know, a good point about the um, ISIS to kind of get people to understand why they should differentiate between them and actual Muslims is... Um, Look at, let's say, the KKK before America got a good mm. centralized law enforcement. They were hanging people left and right. Wait, are they Christian? Exactly. Well, that's, well, <laughs> that's what they claim to be. But nobody in the world would associate all Christians with the KKK. Yeah. Even though, back in the day, they were hanging people left and right. And listen, you know, nowadays they're quiet. But like I said, that's because they have a centralized government now. If I mean, think about it. If we didn't have a centralized government and you gave KKK weapons, tanks, and all that stuff, you think they'd be as quiet as they are now? 
Well, think of the shortage of bed sheets in our country. It'd be terrible. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> you said that with a straight yeah. face. Okay, that was See, good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it, 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 it's a good point. I mean, if you if you look it's at it, it's a valid point. Yeah. You know, nobody associates anybody else with these groups that are going crazy and they say oh well they don't do it now well that's because they don't have access to do it if you look at isis the only place isis does isis things is places that now have a destabilized government you're right very true they're in iraq why iraq has no government they're in syria why because bashar Assad is fighting four different people right now that's the don people if you heard that um, so if you're Muslim, get to praying. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point, though. But did Iraq have a government before we invaded? Mm. Uh, they did. And actually, if you look at it, Saddam Hussein, no matter what you can say about him, I'm not saying he wasn't a crazy son of yeah, a gun. He, he wasn't perfect. He, 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 was a, he was a little do what I say or bad things happen. <laughs> um, but what King isn't to a point, though. But the country was stable under him. Yeah. There was no extremist because extremists would be scared of him if you have a guy like that that would do something to an innocent civilian imagine if you do something against him like isis would yeah (laughs) who knows what he's gonna do with you so the country was stable and the country i'm not gonna say it was a rich country i'm not gonna say it was flourishing and you know rivers were going everywhere but it was stable it was held together yeah and everyone was as long as they wasn't messing with saddam they were living a peaceful life now we took Saddam out, and to this day, there's no central government. Yeah. I don't even want to say there's no government, period. There's a security force. I'm just saying that that point, you see the same thing still happening, even in Syria. You right. know, to remove Assad from power, totally divide up the country into different sects. And, and that's what it was, you know. And then ISIS even would completely run the country. A lot of people like to say that because they say, oh, well, Sadat, uh, you know, Bashar Assad is a, state, um, a central government. He is, but he has a lot on his plate. I mean, that would be like America having uh, a civil war going on, Russia attacking us, China attacking us, Japan attacking us, and yeah. uh, Britain deciding to attack us as well. And well, why can't we handle our own civil war going on now? Because our plate is full. You know, there's just too many people attacking Bashar. I mean, think about it. You have uh, Israel's that's flying jets over there. You have us that's flying jets. We, we just blew up one of his um, air bases mm-hmm. right now. Um, then he has the regular rebels. Then he has ISIS. Then he has the Turks throwing, you know, some bombs at him. He has a lot on his plate. You know, yeah. and once again, I'm not saying Bashar is this perfect leader, but when things weren't happening, when he could focus on his country, th- his country wasn't like this. Matter of fact, he did. He's picked up his country quite a bit from when it was before him. Like I said, I'm not saying everything he does is good. I mean, no, listen, no, no, any no. country that has a king, just look at the pressure that would be on a king mm-hmm. or a one man leader you're gonna make mistakes because you're one person and every one person is gonna make a mistake that's true but um, what he does have is the support of his people he does the majority of the of syrians the, the majority are of the civilians are with him which which should show you something you know everybody wants to look oh, oh so everyone supported him they wouldn't be rebels everyone has to remember it could take a very small group to call themselves rebels and you still have rebels it doesn't mean the whole country is against the government yeah 
it just means you have a small amount of rebels that are being a pain in the butt and those small amount of rebels like i said isis came out of them then isis decided to mess with uh you know the kurds so the kurds got involved america doesn't like bashar to begin with and now isis is there so now they're trying to bomb both of them yeah russia comes in to try to help syria or whatever they have planned you know who knows with any like i said superpower you don't know what they're planning but and then uh another place uh libya once again it was a stable country until we started inciting people to go and kill gaddafi yeah um so all the muslim countries that are having issues right now it's really because they have no government and you know combined with the lack of natural education that goes on there but another thing is we as america and the west have always had something to do with when these countries get destabilized every single time every single time Oh, it's I very mean, true. I mean, now that he's shushing me, I got I got to keep going. I got to keep going. <laughs> Look at any terror organization, really actual terror organizations, and they were all some way attached to us. Mm-hmm. If you look at Al Qaeda, yeah. if you look at the Taliban, they were trained and funded by us originally to keep Russia from expanding. It, it, by us, you mean America? America. Thank you. <laughs> the what was it called? The M or the, the Mujahideen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and matter of fact, it's really funny. You know, a lot of people try to deny the connection between, um, you know, Al Qaeda and America. And if if you just do a Google search, there's actually a picture of Osama bin Laden with our one of our secretaries Rumsfeld. at the time. Yes, of Rumsfeld showing Osama bin Laden how to use this new gun that they just gave him. <laughs> so, to to completely deny that is. At some point, it's it's trying to be blind, uh, deaf, and dumb. Yeah, I mean, at a they, certain point, they can stay on our payroll as long as you know they do what we need them to do. But yeah. the, but the moment any Muslim leader gets a conscience for his own people and and decides to act on that outside of an American interest, quote unquote, uh, then it, it poses problems. Oh yeah, they get shut down. I mean. Look at it from um, Gaddafi. You know, you brought up Gaddafi. A lot of the resources of that Libyan country went to the Libyan people, and he made sure of it. Yep. And uh, we like to make out these leaders to be worse than mm. they are. Gaddafi wasn't, in the end, a bad leader. Bashar Assad is not, in the end, a bad leader. Even Saddam Hussein, which he is the worst of the ones I've just mentioned. Um, putting battery acid on people is, is not okay um, just because you didn't like what they did but in the end he wasn't a completely bad leader these people took care of their countries Yeah, and that's what is in the end most important I mean even just look at us in America you know let's get some controversial here we're not necessarily treated the best by our government we're spied on daily I mean, there's a whole bunch of things, right? We don't we don't even need to get into how deep everything that goes on. But we don't do anything because in the end, they take care of us to, to a point. Ultimately true. In the end, they're keeping the country stabilized. 
Everybody in this country knows if we broke out in a big civil war, everything just gets worse in the end. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I think Snowden actually helped to expose a lot of that. So. Poor Snowden. Still in Russia right now. <laughs> Can never return home. So. Let's, uh, I'm going to divert the conversation for a second. Not because this isn't good, because I'm really enjoying this. Well, we got way off topic there. We started on Ramadan and then yeah. the ISIS came up. Go right in. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, and, and we're going to get into politics again later. But um, I like to get back to the subject matter of exploring history and stuff. So um, please correct me when, I, when you see something that's off. All right. I'm going to throw this quote up here. Uh, Islam's traditional account of itself is that Muhammad, the last of the prophets, received a word-for-word -word dictation from the archangel Gabriel, which is now known as the Quran. This revelation is said to have begun in AD 622, with further revelations taking place throughout the rest of Muhammad's life. The Arabic word Islam literally means submission, and it describes how the Muslim, quote-unquote, one who submits, is to live uh, toward God in Arabic, Allah, both classical and modern Muslim commentators generally divide the Quran's revelation into two periods. The Meccan, which is more apocalyptic, and the Med Medinan? Medinan. Medinan. More about legislation. Later verses in the Quran abrogate earlier ones. For instance, an earlier verse which says not to pray while drunk, implying that drinking wine is okay is abrogated by a later one which forbids drinking at all please shed light okay i knew he was going to shed light here well um, he was going to ask me to shed light um you know the verses later in the quran don't necessarily abrogate the ones from the earlier verses um they they add to it per se um for instance like that example it was saying, um, you know, don't pray while drunk. Um, the later verses where it says forbids, it doesn't forbid. In the Quran, there's two, there's, I mean, any religion, any book, there's points where they straight up forbid something and say it's a sin. And there's other times where they simply suggest against it or um, tell you to be careful with it. And um, drinking is one of those uh, points. So don't pray while drunk. And in the later verses, it warns you that drinking, it can mess a lot of things up. And nobody can deny that. It very well can. If you always drink and you're always drunk, your life will probably be messed <laughs> up. Most likely. Yeah. yeah. Um, unless you're an alcohol taster for a living then you're probably getting rich if you're drunk all the time well we, and we can relate to that in our biblical text as well because despite what evangelicals and charismatics say um <laughs> the bible does not forbid drinking it forbids drunkenness mm. so and we've all seen the wine on the corner that's what it forbids <laughs> so it does not forbid enjoying in fact if you get deeper into the text which we won't do right now we're actually going to cover this in a whole episode but if you get deeper into the actual languages 
Um, believe it or not, more of the biblical characters are drinking uh, wine and beer, actual wine and beer, not grape juice, than you believe at first. And we'll cover that later. But it does not say not to drink. It says not to be a drunkard. Mm. And uh, the Quran is along the same lines. It's more so warning against being um, drunk and essentially letting alcohol take over your life, which, like I said, is is pretty common sense. But it, it never at any point does it call drinking a sin. Um, but uh, so, like I said, the Quran never abrogates itself. It never um. It never says, oh, now this one thing is the truth and the past isn't. It just, it builds on itself. Um, like was mentioned, um, it, the Quran was revealed over a time period. It wasn't just all delivered right then and there. And if you think about it, I mean, have you seen any of the holy books? I'm <laughs> pretty <laughs> sure nobody can... <laughs> memorize that whole book at one time period even Absolutely. if they're uh, gifted <laughs> um, so it was revealed over time so certain things were added onto, and a lot of things my personal belief is a lot of things were added when they needed to be um, needed to be added they were revealed when they needed a revel- revelation about that situation if you look at the Quran a lot of the very important things of how you should live your life were revealed very early because that's something that needed to be revealed very early um especially for prophet muhammad he lived in a area with a lot of um pagans so you know the important things were revealed very early and everything after that like i said just kind of added on to things or less important things were brought up cool so the I know I mentioned these quotes I'm bringing up right now are from Father Stephen Damick's uh, book Orthodox and Heterodoxy because he does give a very good explanation of various denominations and religions. So uh, next quote: uh, Islam regards its relationship to Christianity similarly to the way Christians regard the relationship to ancient Judaism, that it is the final fulfillment of previous Abrahamic religion. Islam sees Jesus as a true prophet and believes in his virgin conception and birth as well as his second coming. Islam is radically monotheistic, however, and rejects the doctrine of the Trinity and even the idea that God could have a son. Trinitarianism is looked upon by Muslims as disguised polytheism. Hmm. So, I don't like the radically word. I don't like the word radical. <laughs> I don't think uh, any of us do. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, um... Yes, for for the most part, like I said, we could use a change of words. But yes, Muslims do not believe in the Trinity. We do believe Jesus was a prophet, but not that he was um, God's son. Um, what about the virgin birth? Because then, because yeah. that's our big tie to you know. Yeah, we we do believe the virgin birth, but we we believe it's more so of a, essentially a miracle, um, from God, not that. It was God's literal son. Okay. Um, like I said, a lot of people want this complicated answer of why it is. It, it's just as simple as... Well, it's just... I, it's just a different belief. Yeah. The, the way everything was interpreted for us, yeah. um, we don't believe he was the son. Um, 
but that saying that it is completely opposite of what a lot of people tend to think nowadays that Muslims hate Jesus that is not true um, we deem him as um, a true prophet and we believe he was a prophet that was given the most miracles out of everybody um, as I told everyone here before we went on air um, Jesus is actually the most mentioned prophet in the Quran um, and by a long shot too his name is mentioned more than the prophet Muhammad's more than Moses more than any other prophet you know so it's the opposite of you know hating Jesus we don't hate Jesus at all <laughs> right 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 um, wait that, that bear is worth repeating right Jesus's name is is mentioned more than uh, more than our own prophets wow yeah so he, he is very highly regarded yeah and that's where I, I think that Christians have to realize even though doctrinally we do see things differently just, Correct. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, but then again we do with Jehovah Witnesses too sure because yeah. Jehovah Witnesses they say that Jesus was a really good guy and a prophet but they also don't believe that he was God yeah so you know so even within the quote-unquote denominational areas inside the judeo-christian denominations we, yeah. st we still have differences so yeah. i mean but he is not unlike what we like to depict um in islam he actually is highly regarded as a true holy prophet yeah and I do want to add on, I, I kind of miss uh, talking about it, um, and it was a very good point that I liked in this quote, but um, when it says um, Islam regards this relationship to Christianity similar to uh, the way Christians regard their relationship to uh, Judaism, that is true. Um, I see a lot of people, they think that, you know, Islam is this completely different religion that came off center. Um, the way we do view ourselves is that we're just, once again, a continuation of um, the Abrahamic religions. We don't separate ourselves. We still believe in Abraham. We still believe in Jesus. We still believe in Moses. We still believe in all of that. Um, like the quote said, we regard ourselves as just a continuation. Um, once again, not necessarily saying previous things were false, but more so adding on to them. Um, despite, like I said, the different way certain things are translated, like Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. But for instance, in the Quran, it actually mentions, you know, the NGO, which is the teachings of Jesus. And it doesn't say, oh, no, it's wrong. It says it is right. It says the Torah is right. It, you know, it we're, we're just an add on, guys. We're not trying to take <laughs> over. You know, we're not doing none of that. Well, we, you know, at, at <laughs> least at least you hold Jesus in, in high regard. Well, that's more than regard. what can be said for some evangelical branches here like under a certain Pastor Hagee during Christians United for Israel you are not even allowed to mention Jesus name or witness to anyone especially to Jewish yeah. people you know so ironic and, right so you know what I mean so at least there's regard for him and reverence for him and, and, and it is a big regard um, like I said um you know he's regarded equal to our prophet we believe all prophets were equal so it's not like we're saying jesus is less than prophet muhammad we're not saying uh you know mm -hmm. moses is in this place of greatness jesus is in this place of greatness uh prophet muhammad is in this place um we reveal them all as prophets and messengers of god um 
and they're all revered and respected for that. I have two questions. Awesome, go. Uh, so the first question <laughs> is, um, you said, or this quote says, um, Muslims believe that there's a second coming of Jesus. They believe that. Is that just, in your knowledge, is there any importance to that? Like, does he have a mission to come back? or And do you personally believe that? Um, when it comes to the second coming, you know, it's kind of Judgment Day is relatively the same to us. You know, that's the second coming. It's, it's relatively the same thing. A lot of people like to think that Islam is this completely different religion from Christianity. All the events pretty much happen the same way with us. All the future events that are supposed to happen, like Judgment Day, pretty much going to happen the same way. Where Islam is not a different religion. It doesn't believe in completely different things, even though with the Jesus point, I guess, that is a pretty <laughs> big difference. That is, um, that is. But um, that's really the only big difference. Everything else, for the most part, is relatively the same. All right, that's cool. Um, and second. then, second question. <laughs> this one, I, I'm, I've been curious about this for years. Oh, here we go. Cool. Um, and I've heard other Christians say it, but reading, <laughs> reading the Old Testament, when you start reading about Abram, Abraham, he had two sons, and one was kind of cast away, but they said he would become a nation. Well, as a Christian, you kind of assume and some think, oh, that create that created Islam, you know. And the other son became Christianity or Jews, you know. And but I'm wondering a Muslim's perspective on that. Um. Well, first of all, we don't necessarily believe he was cast away per se. Um, what happened was obviously he was the son of made slave and then his wife was able to get pregnant so she didn't like to look at the other kid anymore she became that wait are you saying a woman was jealous of another woman that's exactly what I'm saying <laughs> I didn't want to go there <laughs> I didn't want to go there, right there right? <laughs> I didn't want to go there Happy I thought we were doing this for another, uh, another podcast but that's exactly <laughs> what, <laughs> what happened Abraham at first didn't want to get rid of his son right. until God came to him and said, don't worry, do it, and I'll make sure he becomes a great nation, which he did. Well, his kids did. Right. But that attributes to him. Um, but, yes, as for the other point where they say Muslims come from that son and Christians and Jews come from that son, um... I guess if you look at, you know, geographical location, you know, where people come from, yeah, sure, you know. But so at the same time... It, are you saying it's more assumed than it is an, a fact, or...? You know, to to me, you, you can't split off, because a lot of people like to use that as in, oh, Jews and Christians are on this side and Muslims are on this side. You guys are the castaways. No, no, <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, no I, I shouldn't have said I know that. that's not what you were saying, <laughs> but that's what a lot of people like to bring up that point for. But, you know, either way you look at it with the sons, both sons came from the same father. Right. So, in the end, yeah. once again, we came from the same place. Right. We're that's all true. humans. Yeah. Right? We're all humans. Um, <laughs> but I guess genetically... 
And geographically, yes, one went to the Middle Eastern area and his kids had kids and that's where a lot of kids came from in the end. And I guess, yeah, you could say Arabs came from there and others came from the other sun. Interesting. Okay. In the end, we, we don't view it as, you know, it's not like a make it or break it for us. We don't. We don't not like you guys because you came from the other sun. Uh, we're on the other side of the tracks. <laughs> well, I, I, I always find it funny as a naive Christian, and maybe this still carrying carries with me, is he did say the lineage of that son would be what do you say wild or, or something like hard to control, and I, I do think the turmoil in the Middle East sometimes. I wonder if that's part of it, you know, like... I mean, I think some of that boils down to terminology and verbiage. Yeah. Because I had um, I had one Old Testament scholar actually go through... I forget which... It was in a YouTube video. And he actually broke down the Hebrew. And more or less what it refers to is the places they'll be living and the way they'll be living. In other words, it would be nomadic... You know, it would be across the countrysides, uh, traveling merchants. So in other words, it doesn't doesn't break down to the way we read it in English. All right. <laughs> yeah, essentially, I, I could agree with with that. Um, early um, Arabs did live a very nomadic life. You got to remember, they were in a desert. You're not staying in one place for too long in a desert. I mean, if you want to, good luck. But you have to travel around. So I could agree with that, but if you think about it, up until recently, Muslims weren't, uh, Muslims or Arabs were not a wild group of people. For the longest time, nothing happened over there. Like I said, up until recent times, since the Crusades, it's been quiet in that area. You know, from the Crusades all the way until the end of World War II, it's been quiet. So you're saying the Crusades were nice and quiet? I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm saying from. I'm saying from. Um, the Crusades were not quiet. It was a very uh, loud party they had going on there. See, what happened is you guys started building your homes on top of our oil. <laughs> that's, that's what happened, right? <laughs> we like to think of it. Your oil just started flowing out of our homes, you know? We can't control that. It's ours yeah. now. Finders keepers, losers, weepers. Planting all your olive tree- trees. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I want I, I want to make a point right here before it progressed too. It, it, it said it earlier in the last one. I didn't bring it up. Um, there's a huge misconception of the term Allah. Huge misconception because a lot of your your uh, evangelicals and charismatics will say, "Well, that's the moon god sin," and that's where it, it's a huge, huge rabbit trail they go to make up this belief system that it comes from a, a pagan deity and that's not it at all actually a Coptic Christian calls God Allah yeah so I mean the word literally is just a term for God it's just a different language guys that's, yep. that's all yeah. it is any Orthodox Christian that lives in Palestine right. speak Arabic they, they say yeah. Allah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that's funny because as an American, someone who grew up here, and, and like you said, they weren't wild or out of control, but in my generation, it has, been, outcasts. it has been my whole life, you know, like ever since Russia invaded Afghanistan. I mean, there's all There's been turmoil I'm out. That's all I've ever known in the Middle East. But does that mean we're wild or Russia is wild? No, that just means the media and my, my understanding <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. reflects there. So, yeah. 
what I'm what I'm saying is sometimes Americans can be naive and I was listening to a Christian radio show I won't name any names but um, I was very manipulable and <laughs> someone was talking about God as a Christian sees it and God as a Muslim would see it and he's like you can't say it's the same God that's like and this is his quote I'm paraphrasing of the course Christian was, a long was saying time ago. that Christian was saying yeah okay. he's like just because I say bark you don't know if I'm talking about a tree or what comes out of a dog's mouth. They're two totally different things. One God is not equivalent to the other God. Mm. And I always thought at first, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, good point. Two mm. different types of bark. Makes sense. Well, yes, it's a, it makes sense. It's logical. But at the same time, the more I got... In a logical way. <laughs> right. right. You, you know how I hope you hear what I'm saying. But the more I got my foundation in, in a relationship with God, the more I... I realize no, there's there's more brethren there. It's yeah. not you can't just outcast a whole group because you don't understand or this or that. You can either say you don't know, or and investigate, or hopefully you don't just believe somebody that has a microphone in front of their face because that's probably what's happening. And except for us, right? Uh, <laughs> believe us, guys. Believe us. <laughs> because, exceptions. And to me, that's irresponsible because you want people to think for themselves. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't want people to think for themselves. And, and I, I just, I'm saddened by how many people were in the car at that same time mm. that hung on to that and still hold on to that this day. Sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. Agreed. Because it Agreed. represents so much more than those people. Yeah. But, you know, I yeah. want to clarify, um, for, the, for that point, you know, uh, two different barks. That, I mean, that's okay when you're literally talking about two different definitions of the word. God doesn't have another definition, guys. God, God means God. There's really only one well, definition for it. I yeah. mean, really. I mean, I mean creator, yes, right? bark is spelled the same yeah. way as a dog's bark well, or bark, right. but it's it's a completely different concept than when we're talking about God. Because once again, as um, are you known as Aaron or Juice on this show? Both. Okay, as as, <laughs> as Juice pointed out, um, you know. If you go up to a... A lot of people think that Arabs are all Muslims. That's not true. There's Arab Jews, there's Arab Christians. If you mm-hmm. go up to an Arab Jew or an Arab Christian and ask them how do they say God in their language, they will all say Allah. That's amazing. It I mean, literally we had no means idea. God. No. That's all it means. Yeah. Now, here's, here's... I'm going to throw this out there because this is probably going to cause more controversy. In America and Europe, we are the ones that bastardize the name of God because we use the word God. That's, we're going to dive into some etymology here, okay? For those of you who don't know, etymology is the morphology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, history of words. Oh God boy. comes from the Germanic Gott. It means to invoke a spirit. Isn't that what we're drinking? Right? (laughs) Literally, the word God means to invoke a spirit. It has nothing to do with a creator. It literally is about invoking a pagan spirit. It comes from Druidic beliefs. So that's, that's the irony, is that us, even in our Bibles, we are the ones that paganizes God mm. under that word. Mm. 
it ironic, right? Yeah. Now yeah. here's the funny part. Ready? Allah, going back to its etymology, Allah comes from the Hebrew word. A Hebrew word. Why can't I say this? Root word, <laughs> mm-hmm. Eloah. Eloah is the singular of Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God. So you have Elohim. Elohim has the im on the end, which means plural, right? Elohim is the pluralized version of Eloah. Eloah when you take it into the Arabic language, is Allah. It's the same thing. It, it is the Hebrew word floating into another language. Mm. So that, I mean, it, isn't that ironic? Oh, yeah, yeah. It would seem as if the ploy from the beginning was just to divide all of us so that we wouldn't realize we were just all brothers to begin with. <laughs> you know, over... <laughs> Over names, or it's interesting, but I do I do find some confusion in Elohim because in some previous studies I've done with you guys on the side, where it can be used in context to represent not only one God but different forms of God, from my understanding. So that almost goes full circle back to the way we use God and gods and Greek gods, and uh, you know, like (laughs) it's interesting. Well, Elohim is both plural and singular, and both for God and gods of like right well take um, take psalm 82 for example and in verse one it says el oh i'm sorry elohim stands in the council of el among the elohim right so you have both the singular and you also have the plural but the singular means the plural and also means the singular right but you can (laughs) never have probably i've never heard it used plural a lot Okay. Khalil, is there a plural for Allah? No. Okay. <laughs> See, so that, like, that but, simplifies it for me, yeah, you know? But but remember that our word, or the word Allah, does yeah. not go to Elohim. It goes back to Eloah, which is gotcha. singular. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Educational. Love right? It. It's great stuff. <laughs> so, moving on to the next slide. Um, Sunni Muslims frown upon icons, though the ban on images vase varies in its application. Some say that neither God nor any other living thing, except birds, interestingly, should be depicted, which is why traditional Muslim art has a highly developed calligraphy, but not a tradition of pictorial representation. Others may depict animals, but not God or Muhammad. Shiite Muslims, however, make extensive use of religious images. Khalil! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um... As you guys notice, um, it mentions, um, Sunni Muslims are once I have a problem with it. Um, that is because uh, Sunni Muslims um, believe more so than Shiites in what's called Hadith. And Hadith does have a lot of verses on not having images of the Prophet or God or people or things of that nature. Um, which I don't believe in Hadith, um, I believe we'll be discussing that a little later, but, um, it's, uh, 
Art's <laughs> not a big deal. Now, I will say, um, personally, would I ever draw an image of what I to believe is God? No. Um, simply because, to me, that's more of a disrespectful thing than anything. But that's not a religious purpose. That's just me. Um, same thing with the prophet. Or same thing with... Um, Jesus, and here's where I think it would be, I don't know, maybe a valid point, but look at a lot of paintings of Jesus today. Um, he's, in, in a lot of paintings, he's light-haired and blue-eyed and... Are you saying white? I'm saying white, I'm saying white. Um, and I just want to, you know, so I could see why, you know, pictures of that nature wouldn't be appreciated because things can get wrong, well, like I... that as an example. Um, you know... Go, go to Palestine, people, or Jerusalem, and try to find a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man that yeah. is actually from there. Historically, I think, if you actually go back and you look at Christian art, um, those those representations changed. I won't bring up names. Uh, they changed during a specific king's rule, and interestingly, they looked a lot like his son. So there was a specific prince that Jesus was modeled, well, quote-unquote, Jesus was modeled after, which kind of changed that political tide. So if you look at, at representations of Jesus before that, they're a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Not blonde-haired and blue-eyed. Nope. <laughs> so... Uh, next slide. Uh, Muslims regard the Christian Bible as having been corrupted over time, believing that the original teachings of Jesus were essentially Muslim. The Quran, by contrast, is supposedly a direct dictation from God himself in Arabic. It was preserved in oral tradition until the time of the third caliph, Uthman. He gathered all the scattered fragments of the Quran and put them into a codex, the original of the modern with a binding and pages. Uh, I'm sorry, book and destroyed all earlier Quranic material so that there would not be no competing versions. This narrative is part of what establishes the authority of the caliphs as successors to Muhammad's leadership. Variant manuscripts traditions do exist, but they are minor and of interest mainly to philologists. Publicly, questioning the perfection of the Quran can lead to persecution within Islam. Cleo! <laughs> This one is a lot of it. Back to you. This is going to take a lot of a clearing up. Good. Um, so, by Injil, we, we believe in Jesus' um, teachings. A lot of people got to um, remember the the Bible is essentially the Torah and the Bible essentially put together. That's what the Bible is, the teachings of Jesus and also the Torah. Um, I wouldn't say we believe it's been corrupted over time um because if you look at the ones that are more original by that is the ones that were that are the best way to put it is sometimes translation things are lost in translation i if would you, agree with if that. if you look at a greek or latin bible there's a lot of things that are not or are in that Bible than there is in, let's say, an English Bible. Um, 
and this is not just with the Bible alone. Um, even with um, the Quran, um, which you know the, in the interpreters, I believe, always well, most of them try their best to keep it as similar as they can, but it's just not possible. No language goes into another language perfectly. Um, so the Arabic Quran is slightly different than the English Quran. Um, and that's the same way as, um, that's the same thing for the Bible. When you look at the Greek or Latin Bibles, they are going to be different than the English translated um, Bible. Um, and the problem is, and the, and the problem that um, a lot of Muslims like to point out is some of these translated Bibles, they also say different things on top of each other. Um, with the Qurans, they like to try to keep everything saying the same, but even then, certain words will change. Um, we have about four translators as well. Um, and while most of it's the same, obviously, everyone translate one word a little differently. And that also comes down to, I hate to say it, but personal preference of a translator. A lot of these language we're talking about, you know, Arabic, Greek, Latin, a lot of words um, meant multiple things depending on the context that they were surrounded on. Um, now, the only place where those contexts are kept the same and where you can tell exactly what it meant is in that language where you can tell what context is meant. Mm. When it's translated, you can pick any of the meanings of one singular word and put it in there and it changes the verse completely um see i i can i can get i can jive with that i can yeah. totally jive with that so have to, you guys to, uh, just to break in for mm -hmm. a second did you guys listen to uh dr heiser's latest podcast on the evil the eye? eye yeah that was a great episode it was a fan and it shows you how misleading um, the modern English translations can be mm. because it lit I mean it, he went through and showed various texts in various places where it talked about the the stingy eye and talked about how not to look upon your neighbor with an unforgiving or stingy eye on all these places it that's not what it says it actually says the evil eye and the evil eye was actually prevalent across all of their culture you're missing an entire segment of the culture by translating something a little different. I mean, you miss this whole giant. I mean, I mean, literally this giant part of the culture. That I mean, I mean, I mean, this is this was big. This was big. I mean, it's not like oh, don't look at them with a stingy eye. No, I mean, like they literally believed that looking upon them with the evil eye, they could cast spells. They could they could curse them. They could, I mean, there's a huge part of the culture that you're completely missing because it's in a modern English translation. Yeah. So yeah, I could totally jive with that. And that's exactly what it means. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's not so much a corruption, it's just nothing can be translated perfectly into another language. Um, it's just not possible. Um, so context is huge. huge. Context is huge. Context is uh, is absolutely huge. So um, that and like I said, it, 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 that's just not. It's not just for the Bible. Once again, if anybody asks me, oh, you know, if I truly want to learn Islam, should I um, should I read the English Quran? Is that enough, or should I learn Arabic and read the Arabic Quran? I would always suggest learning Arabic and reading the Quran in the original way that it was written because. 
context is everything um especially and you know what why wouldn't you want it to be everything what do you want to understand completely and you know as close to as real as possible when i mean this, this is your life this is kind of deciding uh this is your test to have a happy life or a very painful one after you pass away so um so like i said it's not so much a corruption it's just a mis mistranslation with which like i said i believe can be attributed uh to uh anything um but when you look at um you know greek or latin bibles they're, they're for the most part pretty much similar to what they were back in the day um you can't really find too much complaints on that the problem is a lot of christians nowadays aren't reading greek or latin translations which is the problem which is a big problem you know with mm. with muslims a lot of them are still reading arabic quran even if they have an english one a lot of um christians these days are reading english version bibles instead of looking towards greek land Bibles, so like Jew said, um, they, they're missing a lot. Yeah. And I agree with you. I agree with you. That's why a lot of Christians, and that's why I've been diving into Greek and learning Greek and uh, and getting into um, scholars, is because we are missing so much of what the Bible actually says in the culture it came from. I mean, unless you're an, a, a staunch, you know, Orthodox believer, you're not diving into the original languages. And that's a problem. You're, you're missing, you're missing verbiage. You're missing the cultural context. You're, mit you're missing probably two thirds of what that passage is actually saying. So I, I, I can totally concur with that. I mean, let's just put in a small example. Um, apparently, because I just like to listen to my own voice. Maybe that's why I'm talking so much. But um, in the in the Quran, there's a verse that talks about. Um, you know, marriage and what you should, um, what a man should do to his wife in a certain situation where um, it talks about being rebellious or basically not getting along, okay? Right? A couple's not getting along. Right. Um, well, in the, Eng in the English one, it gets controversial because it says, first turn away from her in bed, then sleep somewhere else, and then suddenly it, in the English version, it escalates to beating her. Now, the word that they got beat from, it can also mean leave her. <laughs> so now, in that context, in Arabic, it is leave her. And it makes more sense in the way it's going, right? You're moving further, you, you turn away from her in bed, right, right. you sleep on the couch, or right. you know whatever they had back then that was not the bed, and then you leave her. What, doesn't that make more sense as a context you know escalation i would assume but in english and this is another part where i blame hadiths for everything that goes wrong and in, in uh you know whatever good does go wrong in islam hadiths does do say you can beat your wife so these translators that believe in hadith that's what they're going to translate it as because to them it does make sense that's um, okay Hmm. Well, to bring up a to bring up a little bit of of American history, um, that's the general rule of thumb, right? All right. Do you know where that term comes from? Yes, sir. <laughs> Beer manufacturing by no 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 no. The rule of thumb 
in a historical American law and legislation meant you could not beat your wife with a rule or a rod that was thicker than your thumb. Man, I was misled. I thought it was temperature of if you... Well, no. It says toothbrush. (laughs) It can't be bigger than a toothbrush. (laughs) Yeah, that that is actually where that term comes from. Show her the fury of the toothbrush. Right, we just just lost our woman listeners there. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but what I'm saying, though, is that see how misconstrued stuff can be? And how cool trivia can be. I mean, That's not that beating cool. people is cool, but <laughs> but how yeah. look how misconstrued that just that little that little piece because we use it all the time. Mm-hmm. I use it all the time. Well, the general rule of thumb is, all right, and that verbiage that that verbiage and that context has been lost over the years. So once again, because we're going into verbiage and context into your hadith because that's the next segment <laughs> and which don't worry lady listeners you'll, you'll see why uh, the beating thing is not true once I mention the, the hadith so don't leave us yet and I am I am a, an, an advocate of being a gentleman so ask my son so but it's just very interesting how we can lose the context of yeah. this verbiage and how it goes back to not just um, your Quran and not just our Bible but throughout all of our texts that are based on those. Anything. So, and, and we lose that context over and over and over again. And we see it, and now we, and we just use it without ever thinking of what it actually means. And that goes for everything, not just words, but even how people act or how people dress. For instance, has anybody ever worn a suit jacket and made the unholy mistake of buttoning all of the buttons? Well, the rule for a suit is you don't button the last button. Now everybody thinks this is some gentleman-y thing or that's just how you spoke. It actually attributed to back in the day, obviously richer people and royalty, they were able to eat a little bit more. So it was getting to a point where they were getting a little too chubby to button that last button on those fitted suits. So they stopped doing it. So it became a thing to not button the last button on your suit (laughs) a lot of people don't know that but that's where it originated like you said we we lose a lot of context of things and i'm not just saying words but just anything so many contexts gets lost in history which leads to the next slide (laughs) the chapters of the quran are known as surah totaling 114 in all divided in two verses. Traditionally, the Quran is interpreted by means of hadith, which are collections of reports on things said and done by Muhammad. Hadith form a major part of Islam jurisprudence, and different collections of hadith are preferred by Sunni and Shi'i. Twelver Shi'i, see below, include hadith from the imams in addition to Muhammad. The place of the Quran in Islam is similar to the place of the Bible in Sola Scriptura in Protestantism. It is an absolutely authoritative text from which most doctrine are practiced and derived. Normative Muslims practice and tradition is Sunnah is primarily the combination of the Quran and the hadith. Alright, I know you have things to say here. <laughs> okay, um... Now, now we get controversial on... <laughs> on this but um okay so it says um collection of reports on things said and done by Muhammad, uh, prophet muhammad um 
a big thing to note about this is these hadiths the earliest recorded hadiths weren't made until after 200 years after prophet muhammad died so at that point you don't know what prophet muhammad said personally um so on top of that the quran has a lot of verses that disprove the need for hadith one it says the quran is completely detailed which means it doesn't need anything to tell you how to interpret it it's completely detailed another thing is there are multiple verses actually saying um that hadith is false once again the the definition given here on this quote is collection of reports on things said and done by prophet muhammad well, there's a literal verse in the Quran where it says the scribes of men in a jinn, which scribes, just in case anybody doesn't know, means writers, people that write things down. It says the scribes of men in jinn will create stories, aka things that somebody said or did, and attribute them to the Prophet Muhammad, and these are false. That is blatantly telling you hadith is false, guys. That is literally <laughs> telling you what hadiths are and that they are false. Um, now, it, now, I, now uh, stop me if I'm wrong, but it's predominantly hadiths that are causing all the trouble in our modern times. Yes. When, when it comes to extremism, a lot of extremism comes from hadith. Now, I'm not saying all hadith is horrible sayings that's not true but um they're 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 just false and like i said there, there's a lot of extremism in hadiths that's where a lot of your for instance stoning is not in the quran it's not but it's in hadiths okay um so that's why people in saudi arabia are getting stoned um, well, just like, uh, isn't it isn't it true that the only place it mentions the age of Muhammad's uh, wife was in the hadiths, right? Because there was a whole debacle there about how right. he married a nine-year-old. Oh, oh yeah, guys. Historically, um, uh, that that girl that everybody likes to claim is nine. Historically, she she was nineteen. Okay, this is a ten years difference. But yes, hadith is where it says it was. Um, nine which once again this is the early the the earliest collection was um a collection from al-bukhari which once again was 200 years after the prophet died um so hadith say a lot of crazy things extremely crazy things like marrying a nine-year-old um <laughs> and a lot of people like to call the prophet a pedophile for that just to go branching off of that prophet muhammad's first wife was actually older than him by quite a bit um oh so, she was a yeah a merchant <laughs> yeah so um she was fairly wealthy too right, right but yeah right. she was older than him so he wasn't a pedophile guys and like i said historically um the girl was 19 not nine but yeah hadiths are um they they come from just it's just a collection that people attributed to prophet muhammad and unfortunately, a lot of Muslims these days are interpreting or attempting to interpret the Quran based on these hadiths. Whenever they yeah. see a verse that could somehow be connected to a hadith, they tend to do it. 
um, which, like I said, is where that past verse we talked about is where the beating comes because Hadith permits beating. So the interpreters, when they interpret it to English, go ahead and say, hey, it means beating just because that's what the Hadith says. So they interpret using the Hadith, but it's what, not. What is our Christian equivalent to that? Because I, I can think of it in Judaism you know, with the Talmud. Oh man, you want to go there? No, I'm just saying. But it, it, <laughs> what would be our would it be like Schofield's notes in the Bible? Oh, on the Christian side, yeah, yeah, yeah. On on the Jewish side, it would be the Talmud, correct? Yeah, but yeah, it would definitely be in the Christian side. I would by landslide say yes, it would be Schofield notes. Okay. I mean, let's face it, Schofield is the Talmud or the Hadith right, yeah. for Christianity. I would agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, a good a large portion of the quotations out there by any evangelical or a charismatic comes from Schofield. Yeah. So, yeah, I would yeah, I would agree with you. Mm. So Khalil, as a Muslim, what do you do about that? Like, would you say it's the majority of Muslims that believe in the Hadith or 50/50 mix? Do you have a no, it's 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 most of Muslims do believe in hadith in some sort of way. Um, Sunnis especially believe in hadith, and Shiites um typically believe less in hadiths, but they still do. Um, you know, there, there there's not so much a little peon on this earth of like me can do about it. I just always try to um, you know, tell people the right thing. You know. Um, and try to advise people the best way I can. Um, I'm a firm believer. You don't try to jam something down somebody's throat. Um, no matter if you believe you're as right as can be. Mm. Um, but that all I can do is, is tell people and point to the verses that also tells them um, what it really means. Um, and that's that's the most I can do. Um, the problem is a lot of these uh, a lot of these hadiths are, especially in Sunni majority countries, are taught in schools. So it's it, it's hard to move away from that. Um, you kind of have your have to have your own mind. Which, by the way, the the Quran says, search for your own knowledge. So it's a good point to have there. But. Um, that's what it comes down to. In the end, people have to... There's only so much we as individuals can do. We can tell people um, and try to help them along. But in the end, it's up to individuals to um, search for the truth. So you found yeah. this on your own or is that something... I found it on um, my own and uh, another person as well. Mm. Um, and we found it by, once again, just searching for our own knowledge whenever somebody tries to broaden things and just tries to make it applicable to the public or to me i hate to say anything mass produced usually is a bad All right. well so so even hadith like i say is is mass producing it's 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 bad um but that's what's mainly taught I chose to actually look at the Quran, see what it says, and the Quran, like I said, it has multiple verses saying it's false. I can't argue. I, I'm not going to pick a book made by some random dude 200 years after the, the prophet died over the book that in our religion was God's words. Mm -hmm. 
to me anyone who chooses to do that is kind of right well i i think that i, I kind of see where he's coming from because for example in in our youth especially i know that, that that we can relate fairly well i mean i know until fairly recently in my in my christian walk i was a firm believer in things like you know the rapture and the millennial reign and you know i i after actually reading what the texts say and looking at them especially from you know their native languages um i've thrown those out you know i no longer believe in a millennial reign i no longer believe in a rapture um at least like i said not a pre-millennial quote-unquote rapture yeah i do believe that there is the coming judgment and i do believe that you know all that will come to pass at the end but i believe that's all you know contemporaneous Mm -hmm. it all happens all at the same time so but until recently i mean until i actually explored the texts you know well how long do you believe in a rapture well that's a good question how long have I been taught the rapture <laughs> right. versus how, <laughs> to the point where I finally decided, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like this doesn't sit well with me anymore. The idea never sat well with me, even as a child. Uh, so I can't honestly, honestly say that I truly, truly believed in a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I was raised with it and it was, you know, swimming around in my mind everywhere for sure. But to say that I truly, truly believed it... Uh, I don't know that I can, you know, but I wasn't quite ready to get rid of it. Right. I built so many years and so many philosophies off of it. You know, I had a lot of good movies too, right. based on it. So, <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of things that were built upon those philosophies that, you know, you build up your whole life. You're not just going to give up. So, once again, Doctor Schofield. Yeah, <laughs> and that that's that um i'm glad you brought that up because that that's um and that goes along with your question as well i was actually um my family um attributes itself to um where we are technically a sunni muslim family so i mm. was um raised on believing certain hadiths um just like you um to to, to me though it's um I, I I what's a good way to put this um for for me like I said you know when, when I look at it you know and the Quran itself is saying it's fully detailed um Prophet Muhammad's only duty was to deliver the Quran there was just too many things pointing from what the Quran said with the Quran being God's words that were pointing against hadith um and to me you can't take all these words from God and just disown them just because you were raised believing in this. At least, you know, to me, if you're trying to be as, I don't want to use the word pious. I feel like that's not a, the right <laughs> word to use here. Um, just as religious as you can be, you know, you, you, you have to constantly search for the truth and you have to be open-minded to what 
the the truth is um yeah sometimes and luckily for me i never liked the idea of hadiths anyways because they didn't like dogs and anyone anything that doesn't like dogs i don't like <laughs> um so i guess it wasn't as hard for me but to 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 me um you yet stay open-minded sometimes oh cats uh, I don't, you know hadiths don't really mention cats too much <laughs> um, unless black cats and black dogs hadiths don't like Never mind. I'm not going to go there. Um, I, I think you did. Jeez, Aaron, the one thing. I just I said cats. I started talking about that. I'm like, you know what? Never mind. We're not continuing this conversation. But anyways, it, to me, like you said, sometimes the truth is not something we don't want to hear. But if we're really going for the truth, we, we have to accept the truth. You can't turn a blind eye to the truth just to keep things either going the way you like or even going the way you were just raised to know you know i mean i know a lot of people are scared of doing things that they were raised you know believing this and they feel worried to go off that path for whatever reason whether it's because they don't want to disrupt their family not not disrupt their family but disappoint their family um whether they just don't want to change themselves sometimes it's hard um but no, that's a good point. I mean, but this, you know, you said stay open-minded. Yes. And the, the hadiths kept you away from truly being truly open-minded. Hadiths are very, um, they're very, they, they are very oppressive. Um, well, that's the just same. about anything. That's the same with dispensational thinking and that whole mindset is that. Yeah. I would never, never even consider other branches of Christianity, let alone trying to be open-minded to, you know, a Muslim brother or sister. Never in a million years with that thinking and that mindset that I grew up with in the evangelical church. There's just no way. Join us in part two for the rest of the conversation.